0: Welcome to Reels on the Rocks, the show where your hosts Whiskey and Sweet Tea discuss film from the unpretentious perspective. In this episode, we kick off Anime Month with a look at Kiki's delivery service. We'll also touch on the topics of the Oscars, Burnout, and Netflix. Don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and as always, please be advised that spoilers are ahead. Hello, listeners. Welcome to anime. Welcome
1: back. It's been a while. It's been uh, a hopefully, while. <laughs> hopefully these uh, two episodes come out on time, or it'll be Anna June and a lie. Anna,
0: <laughs> Anna, Anna, Anna uh, June just sounds like a villain in some sort of like futuristic movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. So hopefully these should be out by May, but production stuff happens Uh, but uh, you guys liked listening to us talk about anime films last year so we thought we'd give it another shake and if in case you can't read what is the name of the film this week?
0: Today we're discussing the beautiful and magical Kiki's Delivery Service Hey you guys did Miyazaki last year Get over it, Miyazaki's a
1: genius (laughs) Sit down (laughs) I mean, he's like the Walt Disney of Japan, honestly. And Just, I, think, I think it opened. I feel like maybe we talked about it last year, but uh, they were working on a, a Miyazaki theme park, and yes. I think it's opened
0: by now. I think at least uh, one of the lands is open. But Like you said, well, he so is, it's, he you is say the Disney it's, it's not, of Japan it, without yeah, the anti-Semitism. It,
1: well so you say lands it's not like if you say theme park most people think of like six flags or disneyland or something it's like environmentalism is a big thing with him so it's much more of a uh like nature park like i think maybe there are characters walking around but it's not like the sort of place where you're gonna go on rides it's like there's like trees and things like that so so it's like it sounds pretty sweet
0: it's exploring nature with the characters that you love
1: Pretty much, which I mean, again, like, not so much in this film we're talking about, but there was a big part of that in My Neighbor Totoro. Yes. Probably his, I mean, a lot of his, like, Ponyo has an aspect of environmentalism. You've got, uh, probably the biggest one is Princess Mononoke or mm-hmm, Nausicaa mm-hmm. in the Valley of the Winds. Anyway, those are all other movies. We're talking about Kiki's delivery Kiki's Service. Kiki's delivery Service. And, and before and I get what too are far, you,
0: before I get too far, yeah, well, what are you drinking? Because so I. I, I, I i'm drinking i was like i wanted something light and kind of bubbly and sort of fun so i went and got a purple colored uh bubble tea but then because it's us i spiked it with a little whiskey so gonna get saucy this episode yeah i'm making it i might get saucy so everybody needs to like watch out and also before i get too far um i apologize it's like 112 degrees where i'm at right now so i have my little piggies in the room with me so if they squeak in the middle i apologize just (laughs) heads up to our (laughs) listeners
1: Well and so I hopefully next episode I'll have something a little more exciting but I went ahead and just grabbed some Sapporo uh, which is Japanese beer although while we were setting up I was reading the bottle and found out that this one was brewed at the Sapporo company in Canada um, so
0: so major so they, the so ball. they
1: catfished they beer fished me uh, but whatever it's the same company I, mean, I assume even, they make it the same Google?
0: way Did you even Google? Shh. <laughs> I
1: was at the store well and and that's the thing like they do they do make it in Japan this is just like it's like Anheuser-Busch for instance they have brewing factories right. all over the country so right, like right. I'm not surprised they have a, a factory in Canada but I am a little disappointed
0: especially <laughs> like you
1: think like when they label it as like an import it's like well yeah it's from Canada but it's a japanese beer so what's going on
0: you know it's like when my dad gets a ticket for speeding and he's like well i was only going like a mile over the speed limit i'm like okay so you were still speeding like So so the
1: lesson of today kids Uh, kids over twenty-one is um always read the fine print because your beer might be beer fishing you. But whatever, it's still still Japanese Japanese beer.
0: beer.
1: And fun fact, rolling around in maple leaves. I only know this because during pandemic I watched too many travel vlogs and stuff. But (laughs) I do know Sapporo. Uh, it's brewed like in the northern part of Japan, Mm -hmm. and I think. Maybe, oh, oh, I hope I'm not confusing this with Asuki or Asaki, Asaki. Uh, but Sapporo I believe it means like snow or cold or something. And it's because like the place where it's brewed is like the snowiest part of Japan. Again, <laughs> I really hope I'm not confusing that with a different uh, beer, but I'm pretty sure Sapporo is the one. Anyway, so fun fact, it's, it's Japan's coldest beer. <laughs> oh,
0: my God. <laughs> Well, you know, if not, at least you're expanding your taste buds more, you know. I've uh, had sapirol before, but... Okay. <laughs> just take the compliment whiskey. Like I haven't I like had it them. in a
1: while. <laughs> I live... Fun, I, fun fact, I live in uh, Koreatown, and I kind of... Like, the whenever I go out around here, the Korean beer that I tend to get is called Cloud with a K. Ooh. I don't know why. It tastes
0: fine. I just... For some reason, the name appeals to me. <laughs> I mean, that's like when I was in Savannah and I got that cider that was called Ace. And oh, the man. hand well actually it was more the handle was shaped like a pear, you know, on the uh on the spigot. And that's what appealed to me was the pear-shaped handle. So that's why it's I got been that. a
1: it's been a while uh since <laughs> our last because last last time since I'd like shout out to anyone. I, I went on a trip to Nashville, Tennessee, since the last time we recorded. So hopefully maybe in the future when there's something uh relevant, uh I did take a trip to the Yeehaw Brewing Company and they were great. <laughs> I did a moonshine tasting. Really fun time. Uh, so, any any of our listeners from Nashville, Tennessee, had a big fun time in your city.
0: Loved the Batman building, and uh, you were nice enough to send me a picture of the outside of the Taylor Swift Education Center.
1: Yes, I'm Thank assuming. You. Like, I don't know if it was an advertisement for the education center or if that was actually the building it was in. I think
0: that was the. She building. has an education
1: center somewhere in Nashville, and I think that was where it was. But I there think was a thing. I'm
0: pretty sure that was the building because I've seen in some of my groups people have gone to it, and that's the same sign and the same background. So I think pretty sure that you you just walked by the building. Probably.
1: Like the building, it was like a hotel with like a bunch of other stuff inside. Mm-hmm. There's like a the, the where I was going to, which was a brief visit. Is there's like this print like there's this business that's famous for these like vintage uh, concert posters. Oh, okay. And they print stuff in house, and so it was like a big gift shop where you could buy like all these vintage posters and stuff. And if you wanted to, they had the little like printing area you could tour, and I think make your own posters. Uh, I didn't stay very long, uh, but that was like where I was going when I took that photo. But there's that uh, literally while I was in Nashville, the Oscars
0: happened and the slap heard around the world happened. (laughs) I I had a friend working, working that event for ABC. That was a very stressful time for him. <laughs> I would
1: imagine so. I also like, I, and I've been still nagging you to see it, but I, I find it funny. A prediction I made all the way back in October came true. When I saw Dune, I told you, I'm like, this movie, it's going to be nominated for everything and it's going to win all of the technical awards.
0: And that's exactly what happened. That is
1: exactly what happened. Uh, it did, the only, well, it lost uh, like Best Picture, Best Director. Uh, it did lose Best Costume, which I was a little bit disappointed uh, with but it lost to the film you've been nagging me to see which i saw and recently. weren't the
0: costumes amazing they were
1: uh if it was going to lose to anybody i'm glad it was that my favorite dress in cruella was the trash dress
0: yes i think that was my favorite too and that then of course cool. and of course the gorgeous costume with it with the silence of the lambs you know reference
1: yes uh i love that uh, it scene. was it was a cool movie i feel like when that came out it was getting kind of trashed by a lot of people but it was fine it for was, like it was for great. one of for one of the, <laughs> it was for great. one of those like disney live action things like it was fine uh it was it was, great. It, it was very the soundtrack was solid i thought all the acting was really good uh and again it got a lot of hate for the story i thought the script was pretty good honestly
0: no i uh, did so. I for thought, what
1: it was like i thought it was better than, i think than, you,
0: than, well i think what happened is one of those movies that um People, they when they heard about it, they, everyone was like, oh, God, really? But then people saw it and people liked it.
1: Well, the thing about costumes is that's kind of a lot of movies people are like, oh, really? When costume or nominated for costume because it's the costumes, it's not the movie. You know right. what I mean? Right. Uh, personally, I and again, I'm still nagging you to see Dune. I thought the cost, I kind of liked him a little bit better. But that's also like just you have this big fantastical like space kingdom thing where it's like all these different like royal houses with all their different costumes based on different things and so like i'd I'd classify it on kind of the same level as like lord of the rings or something but as far as inventive fashion uh cruella was great in that sense i actually like i said this to you uh earlier in a text message but i really liked the like punk rock kind of aesthetic yes i, th- I thought you'd like that but no circling dude, I, back like, to
0: the topic on hands <laughs>
1: we're talking about kiki's delivery service so take it away t
0: okay kiki's delivery service released in 1989 1990 and then 1998 and i'm pretty sure the version that i watched and i'm assuming the one that you watched the one that's most readily available is the 1998 version so yes and no
1: um like, so yes that's the one i watched and maybe i'll talk about it now uh because i do uh, probably the hottest take i am going to have in this episode is that in my opinion that is the best one and mm-hmm. that's the one that like it was around the time spirit or like for a time and it made me think that this was how it is like for a time disney had distribution rights to a lot of uh studio ghibli movies yeah and my middle school brain made me think that they owned Studio Ghibli, like they bought them or something. Spirit Away right. was coming out, and Disney was the one who put it out in the States. And they also had a bunch of re releases of older Studio Ghibli movies, including Kiki's Delivery Service. So, you know, I, I was think- a kid. I read, but again, it's like when Disney's putting out all these movies by Miyazaki,
0: you obviously I'm going
1: to come to the conclusion, oh, they own it now. So right. I was wrong. I literally thought that until just a few years ago when HBO Max had the Studio Ghibli's put out. I yeah. was just like, wait a second. What? And I looked it up and I was like, oh, no, they only had the rights to a few of their movies. Right, right. Um, and for a while, that's how it was. Like My Neighbor Totoro last year uh, that one was put out by 20th Century Fox, which hilariously is owned by Disney now. But yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I that is the one I've watched. Uh, but fun fact, I've learned. I learned this uh, with me trying to you know have my own movie collection and update it and stuff, uh, getting everything from DVD to Blu-ray. It is not the most readily available one.
0: Really, it's not. So
1: so so there's actually okay. So who I know you're going to list the whole cast, but so in the English dub, who. Well, maybe. No, 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 because they didn't change it. Sorry, I'm thinking of my neighbor, Totoro. So with the Blu ray, it's all of the Disney voice actors for English, but it's got the original soundtrack.
0: Yeah. And I was. So a little that, confused that one. By it, yeah.
1: So that's not the one I watched. The one I watched and the one I have and the one I think is the best one is the 1998 DVD release. And the reason why, and this is where I'm sure there's going to be a lot of anime fans yelling at me in the comments on our YouTube channel or on Twitter or something. I So when the movie starts, and I guess we'll see if you watched the Blu-ray version or if you watched the one that I like, so when she sets off on her little adventure, Disney created a song for the movie called Soaring. Yes. Okay, that song is so good <laughs> <laughs> that when I, like, I, I assumed that it was the original song, and they just, like, translated the lyrics to English.
0: That is incorrect. No, the original song, not even
1: close. It's the, called the, Message of a Rogue. Yeah. And it's fine. Like, that's the thing. So when I got the Blu-ray version, uh, you know, my, my MO was to be like, oh, I'm replacing all my DVDs with Blu-ray. So when I saw the Blu-ray version, I noticed all of the music was different. And I was like, what, what is going on? And that's when I did my research and all this other stuff. It's fine. Uh, but there's just something super whimsical about that Disney song. Yeah. Uh, you know, leave it to them to, you know, and I, again, like people who probably watched the like subbed version as kids who are like super hardcore anime enthusiasts who are like, oh, dubs are always bad. I'm sorry, man, I really like that song, and I feel like it suits the movie so well that it kind of ruins it when I see the new one. So, no, actually, fun fact, the most readily uh, readily available version is the Blu-ray, which is all of the Disney voice actors, but with the original soundtrack. So... Disney, put out the freaking Disney version as a separate (laughs) release, please, because I would like a Blu-ray of it, uh, but until that exists, I am not selling the DVD, Yeah, and apparently that's going to make it really freaking uh, valuable, too, because I also saw if, like, they had people selling the DVDs, and they're very expensive, Yeah, so I've got gold, (laughs) and I'm not getting rid of it until they replace it, so... So this so it sounds one... like we did. So we did see the same version. Yeah, so yours I'm pretty was, sure. With yeah.
0: soaring and okay. Uh, okay, so this was directed and written by Hayao Miyazaki, adapted yes. from the book Kiki's Delivery Service by Iku, Iku Iko Kaduno. Um, I did
1: not know that it was based on a book, so that's interesting.
0: And uh, with music by Joe Hash. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I screw up these names all the time. Haseyashi, I think. And with the version that you saw had additional music by Paul Chahara. Because not only did they add those new songs over, they also added over some instrumentals that took place during parts of the original version that were silent. Yep. And there's also like weird changes to like, for instance, one of my, and again,
1: I know you're going to get into the whole cast, but as far as the English voice actors, uh, one change I really liked is they had Dan Harmon voice Gigi.
0: Uh, no they did not not the version i saw
1: really wait maybe i'm maybe i'm screwing up actors names here uh list the
0: cast and i'm gonna okay. look this up all right english cast kiki was kirsten dunst gg was phil hartman phil hartman there. i said dan Harmon. sorry phil hartman's who i meant and then tombo was played by matthew lawrence who you may remember as the son and mrs doubtfire uh a sono was tress mcneil who i recognize the voice that she played angelica's mom on the rugrats <laughs> and then two other names not major characters but two other names because i recognize their voices madam was played by debbie reynolds and Very kiki's nice. mother was cath was Kath suci who played dexter's mom in dexter's laboratory
1: also just to clarify uh he meant uh angelica from rugrats yes in case it's funny we're we're that old now where we have to clarify well i guess i don't know they did reboot rugrats on paramount plus so... yeah but i don't know
0: i don't know i don't have paramount plus so i don't know who's just in it. just in case people did know which rugrats. angelica we were talking about the that's... original rugrats the og <laughs> um so this was this was done on a budget of 800 million yen or $6 million. It was not at, even it, that.
1: Wow, that's cheap for an anime well, film.
0: Actually, they were saying that at the time it was one of the most expensive anime films. Uh, I'm, I'm face palming.
1: I just remembered this came out in like the 90s. I'm thinking of, like, yeah, anyway, yeah. And no, right. it,
0: it, it's kind of it's up there with Akira as one of the most expensive anime films of the time. Uh, and it had a box office of 43 billion yen. Or $31 million, And it was uh, 1989's highest grossing film in Japan. And it has since gone on. And as of 2020, it has a gross of $41,795,218. Um, so that is... So It's it was a huge, huge success. And even the rentals were like record-breaking for this film you know after it came out and everything and it, it was just it was just a huge success and after a while i can totally see why i still think my neighbor Totoro is my favorite but there's a lot of love for this movie that i can see
1: yeah so i i think i told you and maybe you forgot maybe you'll remember like i as far as miyazaki movies this is like in my top three this I think is i actually this like your... this better than my neighbor totoro yeah Um, but part of that is like, I don't know, I, this was like something that was the same when I was a kid is like anything. I think it's also part of the reason I like Pokemon so much is Mm -hmm. there was like this kind of thing with like kids going off and like going on an adventure or starting a life or like whatever, at kind of an inappropriately young age <laughs> appealed to <laughs> me as a kid. Like the 13. idea of just like running off to like a city and like being like a delivery person or something was like just so cool to me as a kid. And the fact that she could fly. Uh, well, um, obviously. I like, so and and it's interesting, like we talked about this with Totoro, but this is another Miyazaki movie where there aren't really any solidified, um uh, in screenwriting, what you would call like, um, uh, stakes. Like, there's there's not, like, oh, I need to do this to have this happen. There's none of that. Uh, and it was kind of the same way in Totoro, where it's just about, like, a family moving to the country. This is about a witch going to a town to, like, well, no. Basically, start her life. I
0: will disagree. I do you think there are stakes? Because even later take... on,
1: but but in, no, no, in no. The no at like at like the a traditional.
0: I think from oh. the beginning there are because I do remember they had a conversation. With her and her dad talk about um, coming about she about she doesn't want to come back as a failure. Um, that's true, but that's also very like it's, it's more of an abstract stake. But, but that's what I
1: mean. Like think of think of like especially like when this came out. Like even in '98. Like think of like Disney movies. Like you know, we have to slay the dude. Like what's, what's a movie that came out in the night? Like Tarzan, you know, like we have to stop, uh, the, the evil guy from killing all the gorillas.
0: You know what I mean? Like like there's like a straight up like Notre Dame. We need to stop (laughs) Frollo.
1: Yeah. Like we need to prevent the, the, Geez, that's a dark movie. We need to prevent the genocide of the gypsies. But yeah. exactly, like, th- that's my point is like, I'm not saying there's no stakes. I'm saying that, th- it like, there's not like a traditional, like, narrative progression. Like, the story is kind of meandering. And again, this is, don't take this as me saying this is a bad thing. This, what I mean is, like, this was very unusual for me as a kid. Uh, The only other film like this was like Totoro, but even then it's like, I don't know, that movie's shorter or two. I will agree with you.
0: Yeah, there's definitely, and I think that's one of the reasons why uh, at least the two Miyazaki films I've seen are so magical. You kind of just get to exist in the world with this character and not have to really worry about the stakes. And I really do think that's a strength of it.
1: Yeah, and it's a type of film I'd call a mood piece because it's not really like... Again, there are things that Kiki's doing, but again, it's not like it's very like loose. It's like jazz, you know. It's um, <laughs> it's the jazz. <laughs> no, but like uh, like this is a movie I would put on like in the summer when it's like warm and it's like reminding me of that seaside town, mm-hmm. and I'll just like chill and watch it while I'm either doing something or if I just want to like relax after work or something. Well, you yeah, know, that's so funny. Like, it's a very
0: I've... chill movie. I watched this YouTuber. I think her name is Darling Desi, and she watches this movie. She talks about she watches this movie every time spring starts because she's like it's just kind of like you said, it's just kind of a mood to get you into like that spring for her it's spring. It gets you in that spring mode.
1: It definitely works either way. Any any like season where it's like warm outside and you can picture like I always think of the very opening shot of this movie where she's just listening to the radio lying in the that grass That was like the
0: most soothing scene ever.
1: Yeah, and and also like the town she chooses like where it's like on on the bay and and that too like it's it it's interesting that cuz I didn't know this was based on like a children's book but it's interesting that it sounds like it was a Japanese children's book cuz one mm-hmm. thing I find interesting about this one that's different from Totoro is that this is very clearly not supposed to be set in Japan. They never say where it is, but I get big European vibes. I always Yeah, think of France or Germany, yeah, so or something like that. I think so... in
0: the book, I think it's actually set in a fictional country in Europe. Um, they did go and do uh, Miyazaki and the other producers. They did go and um, do research over, and I believe it was like over in. Uh, oh, they yeah they went they went they were over in Sweden. Um, Stockholm and Visby and the island Gotland. Um, so they did. Yeah, they they went and researched Europe. They we were definitely going for that. Although at first, when I saw it was on a bay and I saw the streetcars and the hills, I thought San Francisco.
1: <laughs> I kind of feel that too. But I lived like my hometown's near San Francisco, so I knew I was like the the, the streetcars definitely gave me that vibe. But I I knew San Francisco enough to know it wasn't exactly yeah Um, it was too but there you you go and that's probably why they left it vague they left it vague because they didn't want to like it's set in this country and this is when the time period it's set in and everything well like like even the book was uh, set
0: in a fictional european country
1: that's what i mean like exactly like i think it it helps the film but also it's like if they were vague about it in the book uh but that's that was another interesting thing to me because i don't think i'd seen a Miyazaki Studio Ghibli movie that was set outside of Japan before. So I think that was a new thing for me when this came out. Like, it was like, ooh, this isn't... Which, again, like, with the whole witch thing, it kind of makes sense that they're going for a more European vibe because the Japanese idea of a witch isn't really the same as, like, a girl riding a broomstick. Right, right. So it makes sense that, like, it would probably be more, um, you know, European-centric. You
0: know what I loved about this is I love that there was no... And, you know, this is one of the reasons why I, for the, even though I'm an LGBT person, I don't like LGBT films because they spend like forever going on about like the coming out. I'm like, I'm like, I get it, but I'd like to see something else. I'd like to see LGBT joy. And so what I kind of liked about this movie was that they didn't, there wasn't no discussion about you know the world doesn't like witches but that's okay not every in the world and i'm like i'm so glad that was just like it's kind of just an accepted thing that witches exist and no uh
1: and and that's the funny thing too about this is
0: it's like everyone knows
1: about witches except this one town and i like that they're not prejudiced they're just like whoa the girl can fly like like, like, oh
0: that's wild, but it's because i think they said they haven't seen one in their town in like a long time. I think that somebody at well, the says that it's
1: enough that a bunch of people don't even like. In fact, her love interest in the movie is kind of like, "Whoa, witches are a thing." She can fly. Like again, like it's interesting. I like that it's not like, "Oh, let's burn her at the stake." But also, <laughs> right. it's interesting that she is so far away from home. That like people are actually marveling at her. Well, I
0: loved, I loved when she goes to uh, the second time. Or no, the first time she goes to the. I think it's the first time she goes to the, the to the old women's house. The housekeeper, who's already you know an advanced age, is like, oh, like just like my great grandmother described. Like that's how long it's been since exactly. people have seen witches, and I love that.
1: <laughs> yes. Um. The other thing I just like is Kiki. Kiki is a character is kind of funny to me because she's she's very um. She's very uh impulsive, I guess maybe that's not a good word, but like i I find it funny that she she's been you know very gung ho about leaving home and doing this whole thing because she's thirteen and she needs to, but she hasn't done any all she knows how to do is fly and she's like <laughs> barely good at that. Like, and her mom's like, I should like, I've been trying to teach you potions and stuff. And that also like, and there's that jerk that she meets when she's leaving home. Who's like a fortune teller. Right. And kind of Opens up like all of this, like, whoa, all these things that you could, uh, you know, specialize in as a witch. Uh, and I just thought it was kind of funny. It's like, it, it reminds me of like someone again, like I, I liked that, uh, that aspect of her character that she would just do something. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not prepared. I probably should have done more work, but I'm doing it tonight. Yeah. Like, even the beginning, it's like, I'm leaving tonight. And her parents are like, what? (laughs) Like, like, we were talking about, like, you know, maybe next week or something. But, like, that's a funny thing about her character. And it also kind of leads to the problems going ahead because she doesn't really have a plan for what she's going to do. Yeah, it's Um, like every time somebody brings something
0: up, she's like, "Oh yeah, I guess I haven't thought about a prize." (laughs) Well, and
1: it's kind of funny too because, like, the this is as as much as this is sort of a weird meandering movie. Like, I could describe it to someone in a sentence, and that sentence is like, uh, "A witch becomes a delivery girl." Yeah, and it's and it's kind of funny because it's like that's actually kind of cool in sort of a not so glamorous kind of way because she's doing such a not appreciated a job especially coming out of a pandemic you know right. what i mean like but she's doing it in the coolest way possible right like which is right. if witches existed if i could order like delivery and have a girl just like land on my my porch outside and i wouldn't have to like deal with you know meeting them on the street or whatever that'd be so cool i'd never right. <laughs> ever order food anywhere else um and again, it's like it's just the most like simple thing, but it, it just makes like this very mundane sort of job a
0: lot cooler than it should be. Well, you know what's interesting is, is that you talk about how kind of cool this is cuz I was watching this with my mom. My mom was just like, "So, what's the deal? so as a witch you can only fly like <laughs> cuz like, you know, they go to that just, she was watching that scene with um where there were they're trying to cook the herring pot, pot pie or whatever." Yeah. And 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 and, and the woman's just like and my mom's like well why can't she fix the oven Why can't she start the fire like she was like She's not using magic for anything And so Well again the, the, the simple
1: explanation Is because she didn't do any work She should be go. able to use magic But she didn't she just Goofed off like when she should have been learning I guess her mom was like into potions But she doesn't know any spells she doesn't know any anything Besides flying yeah which You know is kind of a character fault with her Is like if she had put in the work She probably would have had more options she would have been Able to do more in the herring situation herring pie situation
0: yeah like but, instant uh, cooking but
1: you, there you go that's simple explanation for your mom right there is like she should <laughs> she should have been able to do it's that it's because she's not a very prepared witch
0: she should be able to do all of that <laughs> so this was also even at its time a very critically acclaimed movie Uh your favorite people Siskel and Ebert even gave it two thumbs up and they said it's probably one of the best animated films in released in 1998 um so that was i want they to come loved back.
1: it so much they doxed the entire cast they doxed
0: the entire cast everybody send presents um so it was up for one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen it was up for 15 awards um at the time of its release and it won all 15 um so they won. They won three awards from the twelfth Anime Grand Prix: Best Anime, Best Female Character, and Best Animated Theme Song. Um, they won Best Animated Film at the the Mayanichi Film Awards. They won the Readers' Choice Award at the Kenema Jumbo Awards in the thirteenth Jap- Japan Academy Prize. They won a special award and a popularity award. Uh, the seventh annual Golden Gross Award. They won gold for Japanese film. The Movies Day, they won a Special Achievement Award. The Arendelle Awards, they won a Special Award. The Japanese Cinema Association Award, they won Best Film and Best Director. The Agency of Cultural Affairs awarded them with Best Film. The Tokyo Metropolitan Cultural Honor awarded them Best Film. And the 7th Annual Money-Making Director's Award won Best Director. So this was a heavily accoladed award. Film and it was it was, just, it was well received even at the time. People loved this because I think we talked about how last time uh, my Neighbor Totoro it did it didn't get like the best uh, you know uh, starting off point and it was kind of like well, discovered later and people loved it.
1: It also came out at a different time. Like that was kind of a big theme with both of our films we reviewed last year is that we picked two films that started the matriculation of anime into the West because you could not watch anime films in theaters you had to like go to weird places to find beaten up vhs copies that were imported from japan like if it was not for akira or my neighbor totoro being released in theaters you know well no, like th- that that was like the beginning of
0: well anime. Like, e- even like, e- as- even in japan the movie didn't do well the totoro movie oh i see do what do you well. mean this one <clears throat> this this one did well from the start everywhere and this was i believe i'd read this was this was the first release uh uh First two Ghibli release that was also released. It was distributed by Disney. This is the first one of their deal that was distributed over here, which is why it has like three release dates. They have the 1989, which was not released in Japan. 1990, it was released in the U.S. And then uh, they did an additional release in the U.S. in 1998 with a whole new with a whole new cast that premiered at a film festival and everything. Um, it's honestly blowing my mind that it came out in
1: 1990 because it again, like I knew. I probably didn't know when I was a little kid, but I've known for a long time that obviously it was like a re-release through Disney, but like it blows my mind that it was that long ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> Cause I was discovering the movie in 98 when it came out. So the fact that it came out before I was even born is like mind blowing to me, uh, especially with like the quality of animation. It looked like a film that came out in 98, um, uh, which I'm sure is probably why it won so many
0: awards. Right. it It looks it looks amazing, even you know for for this time, and you know it 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 was it it was it was like I just think it was such a good enough film that Disney wanted to do it justice with a better you know voice cast. Because yeah. I I well, really b- like better.
1: I guess we'll talk about it now, but better. I'm like again, it it kind of depends. Like I. I'm cool with subs or dubs uh, with dubs. I, I think most pretty much all Miyazaki movies are fine because they always get like an A-list cast to do mm-hmm. the dubs. Yeah. Uh, but I will. That's another. Here we go. A, a hot take number two coming from <laughs> me. I like the Amer- like the English dub better because of the casting of Gigi. Because yes. and I am I botched his name. But that actor. Phil Hartman. Rest in P- Phil Hartman. Rest in peace. Uh, He. He, so he was, like, an, an SNL alum. He was very good at playing, like, sarcastic jerks. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something about him yeah. being, like... When you see that cat, when you see Gigi, you do not expect like the voice of a grouchy middle-aged man to be coming out of it. <laughs> and there's and especially with kind of how like much of a bummer Gigi is, like always saying, Oh, Kiki, you should be more responsible and all this other stuff. Like it fits so well and it makes it a hundred times funnier. That it's Gigi or well, I, Kiki. Kiki, I, you shouldn't be
0: doing like well, I, I, I love, can't even do his voice. I, I like, loved so how in, sassy he was.
1: Well, so in the Japanese version, it's it's like a little girl voice. Like it's the, it's exactly what you would expect that cat to sound like. You know, very high pitched, like mew 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 mew, like kind of voice. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was a woman voicing Gigi. Uh, well, this and is it's fine. It fits, like, it's what you would imagine the cat to sound like. But there's, again, I personally think it's funnier to have uh, Phil Hartman's voice. Well, because, he, again, it fits the character because Gigi is always the one telling her she's doing things, like, irresponsibly.
0: Well, and, you, what's interesting about this Gigi character is, you know, the reason the voice sounds different is actually a cultural difference in our understanding of cats. Um, Japanese culture, from this, from what I read, so if it, this is incorrect, I do apologize. But what I read is the one of the reasons why it says kind of that that, that that like you said, a little girl, more feminine voice is traditionally in Japanese culture. Uh, the cats are usually voiced as kind of an is, is, is sort of an androgynous, more feminine sounding voice, whereas in the U.S. when we have cats that have voices, it's usually a gender specific, you know. Tone, but actually, it kind of makes sense
1: because now I'm thinking of uh Garfield, and when we gave him a voice, we kind of gave him you know, a very like bemused, sort of again, like a middle aged man voice, right? Right, mo- so that makes that makes sense.
0: Well, and also, I, he also, Gigi in the uh original dub is supposed to be a lot more cautious about things. I mean, he's still cautious now, he's supposed to be a lot more cautious and I and not as you know, uh. Not as sassy, because Phil Hartman is very sassy as the cat. Yes, uh, there was and that. As... There was that weird line he said though. That that, thing that popped out to me when after they leave the uh, the girl who the girl that she stays with in the cabin. You know, the first thing they meet, he, he leaves and she sa- and she says, "Oh, she wants to draw me." He goes naked, and I'm like. <laughs> Where did that come? That's like a very adult joke. I didn't the- even...
1: Maybe that was in the version that you watched, because I don't think... I don't remember that line, but... uh Well,
0: they also said that in later Blu-ray releases, which you talked about. Um, well, so
1: that's the thing, too. So, like, again, I... So, another thing I noticed uh with the Blu-ray that I watched not the, not for this review but the one that i got where i noticed that there was differences made is they cut out some of his dialogue
0: yeah they said that they um in the blu-ray release um they tried to return it more to the tradition the original japanese scripts so they took because phil hartman did a lot of ad-libbing yeah um where the cat wasn't saying anything in the original one but he says it in here and i think that's one of those that's one of those things that was said so <laughs> that was that to me that was like well where did that come from <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah no and that's again maybe i just wasn't paying as close attention this time i've seen this movie dozens of times so i was sort of like you were you, like, know, ha- you were half watch watching. it you didn't have yeah, to exactly. watch as closely like, exactly so you
0: know what's interesting is we, we talked about how this was a um adapted from a from a children's a ch- i think it was a chapter book um and they said in the chapter book uh, the stakes are not as high as they, I mean, we talked about not really have, but like the major crises are not as severe as they are in this movie. Um, th- th- they're really more just kind of her just having to make deliveries. Uh, but there is no, she loses her ability to fly. There is no, you know, crashing airship. Um, and Miyazaki said that, that because you know putting things on film is more realistic. She wanted to, wanted to really give her more realistic uh, problems that you would yeah. experience. And so actually kind of really, I will say the ending though, I was kind of like, well, this became really dramatic really fast. <laughs> There's just this crashing airship that was kind of looked like kind of like the Titanic in the air. It was weird, but I well, love, you know,
1: it. you know, like in going off of what you just said there, like, so I, I introduced a friend to this film whose favorite film was Cinderella. And I told her like this movie kind of reminds me of Cinderella, but she's actually fixing her own problems. Mm-hmm. Because it's the same thing, like most of the, like, and again, like at the beginning, you seem to think I was like saying, oh, there's no stakes. The stakes are more relatable. That's yeah. what I mean. Like when I say it's not like a traditional like kids movie, you know, she's she goes through all this trouble. That's one of my favorite parts of the movie, too. Like she goes to all this trouble to get the herring pie made and delivered hot and steamy to this jerk, to this absolute bitch who does not care. (laughs) And it's like, that is so relatable, especially to anyone who's worked like a minimum wage job. It's like, Oh my God, this is, this is, Every, every, like, Karen in the world. <laughs> right? Like, oh, oh my god, Grandma's gross pies. Oh, she ruined my birthday. Like, shut up.
0: I was like, You girl, know what I've been doing? I've been
1: working on this for freaking six hours and flew it to you in the rain and got sick by doing it. And and I do think that that was also kind of a cool narrative transition, because right after she gets sick from doing that is when she loses her powers. But it's just there's lots of that in the movie, just mm-hmm. very mundane people being jerks to her that, like, again, is very relatable, Um, much more so than like a lot of other kids movies where it's like if someone's mean, it's because they're like evil or like a witch or something you know yeah. what i mean like when you think of like disney movies the only mean characters are like the villain and everyone else is like some agreeable magical person right right and i that's part, like i i like that about the movie and again like when i explain this to that friend saying this is like cinderella except she fixes all of her own problems it's kind of this, like i like kiki's like go get attitude Like, even though it's kind of a flaw with her being severely underprepared, there's just something super cool about the fact that she's just, let's go do something. Let's go, you know, like, even how she gets the job, it's like she just sees that, like, a baby lost its pacifier, and she's like, I'm gonna go return it to the baby for no reason other than I can, and I, I feel like doing, you know, like it's very it makes her very likable she's like a great protagonist and it, it also kind of has that spirit of adventure like if she feels like doing something she's going to do
0: it well you know we we like those scenes but i uh eco Kajun, K, oh my gosh eco Kajun, K, kajuno i think is how you say her name i apologize if that's not how you say i say their name but they didn't like those changes and they actually wanted to shelve the project you know Early on, because they weren't he they weren't happy with the changes that um, Miyazaki was making, and Miyazaki actually had to go with I think his producer at the time that they go to his house, go to their house, and just talk to them, and they eventually gave their blessing to go forward. But they were very unhappy with the changes that were being made to it
1: that's very crazy to and think about.
0: that book is so popular even that book was acclaimed upon release but it was so popular that in, let me see how you feel about this disney wanted to do a live action adaption of the book in 2005 yikes <laughs> they talked about Hopefully. it and never move forward
1: but well good thing disney didn't buy uh studio ghibli or else they'd be making live action adaptations of all the studio oh, ghibli movies but i
0: feel like you can't because i feel like <clears> they would <throat> lose the magic
1: it would. That's why it's a stupid idea. Um, <laughs> like, this is one of those ideas that's, like, perfect for animation, partly because of the whole she's a witch and she can fly and do all this stuff, but it also just fits that aesthetic. That Because, like, yes, it's anime, but also, like, I'm sure people who are fans of Studio Ghibli would agree that there's sort of a, an artistic style to the way that the characters are drawn with that particular studio. Right. Um, and this this story just fits really well with that um, and it's possible to make a live-action adaptation, but, you know, it's funny. We were talking about Carella earlier with the Oscars, but it's kind of the same reason I, like, roll my eyes every time they release a new live-action Disney movie. It's like, what's the point? Well,
0: like, that's It's a everybody... cash
1: grab. We all know it's a cash grab, well, but that, it's like there's everybody... no actual, like, passion being put into the movie. It's just we know that people will see it because they liked the other movie as kids, you know, and so I'm glad that didn't happen. Well, I mean, like obviously that's what was everybody gonna be said
0: a... about the Lion King. Everyone's like, why? why I, I don't need to see Mufasa die in HD.
1: <laughs> well, and also the funny thing about the Lion King, too, and everyone's talked about this already, but like the, the older one has stood the test of time better because when you have like photorealistic animals, you can't give them facial expressions. Yeah. So when you see the new one, it's like, it just looks like talking animals, but you don't see
0: like any emotion or really anything. any, emo-
1: exactly. And, and yeah. And that's the thing, like, you know, as I said, like I, I, I said, uh, you know, I liked Cruella, but like, it's kind of, I already, whenever any of these live action movies come out and I'm not the only one, I feel like everyone kind of feels this way, but you're just sort of like, what's the point, you know, especially at this point when so many of them have kind of disappointed people, it's just like, what you're not doing this because you think you can make a better movie. You're doing this because you know, people who saw the original when they were kids are going to want to see the live action version. Well, I I know the the next one that everyone's hyped about, and I am kind of curious to see how it's going to look Is like the little mermaid, but I'm, I feel like everyone's over it at this point. Like there's no, it's been proven to not be, (laughs) you're not making a, a better movie. So what's the point of making the movie? Well, and the, that's kind of how I'd feel. I, I it sounds sort of like that they it wasn't going to be based off of the animated film, like you said. It was no, so it was be a readaption to the of the book. Yeah. So that might have been interesting. Uh, it depends on how they did things, like because that's another thing too is uh, anime adaptations have been even worse than disney adaptations there's the whole meme on the internet about netflix adaptations of anime properties like the most recent one that everybody hated was the cowboy bebop one (laughs) and it's just like it's the same deal like the one i i didn't even watch it because i saw the trailer but it looked awful was the death note one and it's just like Again, what's the point if you are not actually going to put in an effort to make it something? Uh,
0: well, the good stands news on is it own, looks like Netflix is going under, so no more bad remakes.
1: <laughs> well, they're not going under; they're just you know <laughs> bleeding subscribers. And I mean, we've we've we were talking about this years ago. It's bound to happen once everyone has a streaming service. It's going to dilute the uh, the market,
0: right? And Netflix uh, and, is and, Netflix is not is no longer it's nowhere near anymore the top contender. It or, does or have inner- quite a lot
1: of things that people care about. I don't think it's going to go under because you also have things like stranger things. A uh, squid game was massively popular just a few months ago, so it's not going anywhere, but I do think that they're going to have to stop being so reckless. One thing that has come out in the news with Netflix losing subscribers is they canned a whole bunch of animated projects. Uh, the one that looked really cool to me was the bone adaptation of a comic that mm-hmm. was Eisner award-winning, uh, and it's just a shame because all of these projects were finished and they're just like, oh, we don't have the money, so we're not going to release them. It's like, what what sense does that make? Right. So, but yeah, like the, <clears throat> I don't think it's necessarily like a quality thing with Netflix. Like they still put out good stuff, uh, but they just put out so much. They
0: put out uh, so m- the- well, here's my thing. They put out so much, but then really it's, it's kind of like, they're kind of like an iceberg. Really only the tip of the iceberg is good, but the most of it, 98% of it is not. They put- and it's
1: crazy the the rabbit holes you can go under like with Netflix. There's so like when Squid Game came out, well I guess I knew about it beforehand because I I'd seen a few other Korean shows. But like there are these you know genres and uh foreign markets that are that exist on Netflix that most people would have no idea about. Actually the most interesting thing was when Netflix released their most popular shows uh months and months ago. And a bunch of them were like, you know, there was that French detective show, there was Squid Game, there was Money Heist from Spain. And it's just like, I guarantee most uh, Americans never heard of any of these, but they were just pulling crazy numbers. And that's the thing with Netflix is that it's massive. The amount of crap they're putting out, it's like they could have multi, like they put out as many shows as like a bunch of like channels and like networks you know, like, they have a whole reality TV division, they have right. a whole Korean drama division, like, you know, I was just talking with a friend who's really into uh, an adaptation Netflix did, well, like, they bought the show, I guess, it's called, like, a, a, a Tokyo Diner or something like mm-hmm. that, and they called it, like, Tokyo Stories on Netflix, I forget, but and maybe some listeners know what show I'm talking about, but that was like a Japanese show that was really popular that Netflix bought. And now that they're making new episodes on Netflix. But again, it's like, it's just insane. The amount of stuff they're putting out. And that's kind of like, we even talked about this in my university classes was that the, Model was unsustainable, right? And we're seeing that now. So no, I don't think Netflix is going anywhere. I just don't think they're going to be able to recklessly produce so much content right. and then, <laughs> without caring well,
0: about who's watching. Well, and then also you mentioned that they put out as much content as like a channel does. Well, if that that may be true, but the channel doesn't multiple, multiple channels, but, not one. Like, but when like, you multiple, see how much... but yeah, but that all those channels are not giving everything the budget of Game of Thrones, like Netflix exactly. <laughs> So exactly. I wonder, and I had a friend who once who said that the reason why all this stuff is so because they had all this money to attract this top talent. So without all this money to attract top talent, will they still pull it off? That's the big question.
1: I think they're going to focus on, like, because uh, they, they have been critically acclaimed. They've got a lot of really good movies. Uh, not, you know, I mentioned The Power of the Dog, which just won an Oscar, but they've got like a whole bunch uh Buster Scruggs is one I really like. Uh you know, they've got like a lot of critically acclaimed movies. I think they're going to kind of focus on doing that and probably like the shows that are actually pulling Well, Squid Game's not going anywhere. Stranger Things isn't going anywhere. Well,
0: Stranger Things I think is in its last season.
1: It is, but not because of lack of interest. What
0: they're going to have to start doing, and we, last thing before we scroll back into the, the movie, yes, uh, what they're going to have to figure out, I think, what I think, what they're going to have to do to survive. We'll see what happens, but they might have to start licensing out some of their original stuff because that's really how most of these networks and stuff who have other streaming services are so profitable doing it because they they basically they double dip. They like, for example, Friends, Friends is licensed to like nine different networks. So they're, so they're getting tons of money from them, but they're also double dipping, getting all the people who basically subscribe to HBO max just for that show so and that's it so I, I think that maybe what netflix may have to do i mean right now that in commercials but i think that might be what they end up having to do they might have to start licensing out their content and they seem to very anti that for the longest time but so we'll they see. do
1: kind of do that i don't know if you've noticed but they do actually sell dvds of or dvds and blu-rays of their shows like you can get stranger things on well, blu-ray but only uh, for their so most do-
0: only for their most popular ones
1: no, for sure. But I. So maybe not licensed. One thing that's definitely going to stop happening, unless it's profitable, again, they don't really show their uh, their metrics, but I do think that they're probably going to just drop any. Like, once the contracts run out, I don't think you're going to be able to watch The Office or Friends or anything on Netflix because yeah. of how much money they well, pay them to run it on Netflix. Well, because those think were their most watched
0: shows. They spent, like, I think almost. I want to say it was like a re- I think it was almost a billion dollars technically or not for, technically for not they according used to be. those
1: metrics well they used to exactly but, but according to those metrics all. they released all of those like foreign shows are their most popular shows so like, I de- again Squid Game's not going anywhere neither is Money Heist or any of those other shows but I think honestly what I predict is they're going to get rid of any non Netflix stuff and it's just going to be original content whether it's good or not
0: will well, it'll remain like, I know decent. I know a lot of people have said that Netflix doesn't have the library to sustain itself. So
1: we'll see. Again, they do they do have stuff that people are watching. Uh, and they do have good stuff again. Like another another thing recently like within the last year that I really enjoyed was The Queen's Gambit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so if they put stuff out like that, I'll keep watching. But, well, but you I, know, again, like you, you it's you talk- so nuts how many places there are to stream things now. It really is just kind right. of like you gotta figure out which ones you actually watch the most. And I gotta admit, I've been I haven't been watching Netflix as much as Disney Plus and
0: Hulu. So. Yeah, and that's kind of that's kind of weird. in Our house, like we're considering dropping Netflix because it's like we don't really watch anything on it. And you know what's interesting? You pointed out the. The critically acclaimed movies they've put out, but the critically acclaimed movies, Netflix has kind of in its own way. They've never actually said this, but they've shown it Uh there. N- people who watch, they really don't watch. They don't get they don't draw on the viewers that like Squid Game and everything else is like, uh for example, the Irishman. They actually changed what they considered a view. To, because enough people were not sitting through the irishman like they it used to be they had to watch like a certain percentage of the movie and they changed it to where it's now like you only have to watch like 15 minutes of the movie for it to be Part considered of the a reason view. they
1: did that is because they did they have guarantee they paid a buttload of money to get scorsese to do that movie so they needed it to be
0: right and then uh, like popular, um,
1: which is stupid again like honestly that's how they sh- if people are watching certain shows that's what they should be making. And that's how every other freaking company functions.
0: So well, like that's Roma, just... Roma was why they got rid of their, their like and dislike button.
1: <laughs> I liked Roma but and 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 that's the thing too like with the Queen's Gambit is at least I know despite it being kind of uh probably not the most exciting show I know people liked it yeah people liked one it. thing well even if you, you without Netflix releasing their metrics part of the reason I know people were watching it is chess got crazy popular when it came out yeah like kids were like starting chess clubs and people apparently it was like one of the most googled things was like how to play chess and stuff like how that. to so chess did the fact that it stimulated an interest in like this game a lot of people think is really boring mm-hmm. i knew people were watching queen's gambit without netflix having to tell me just because of this renewed interest in chess yeah. it's like gee i wonder where that came from so but anyway back to the back, <laughs> back to, to, the, to the, movie the movie
0: at hand so i know you talked about gg being like you loved so what's interesting and you talked about you know russ peaceful harmon so he this was actually released posthumously um, yes so in, in the
1: credits in the version i have they have like a rest in peace thing so
0: so this this movie premiered at a film festival for the first time i mean the uh the version that he's in premiered on may 23rd and then phil hartman was murdered by his wife on may 28th and then it and then it got you know the wide release on september 1st
1: yeah and that uh Honestly, if it's like I think this might even be the last thing he was in uh, you know obviously they released it post posthumously but like but that was you know, you know, you for, know, that for, was kind of just one like of the sad. last movies to be in before uh, you know at the end of his life. Uh, great great one to go out on potentially. I don't know if there's others that came out posthumously. So after this one, but
0: before we sign off, let's switch gears and let's talk more well, about. I like, the I themes. figured
1: you wanted to probably talk about the ending a little bit. Well, yeah, it
0: sounded like you had. I well, yeah, I was going to. I was going to talk about themes here, and yes, in the movie. So, you know, one of the things that I really liked, and actually I was kind of surprised, kind of a little bit by this. there's this kind of this theme of embracing modernization in this movie. Because you, you think about Miyazaki, you think about how much you know, he wants to preserve nature. And, you know, he, he does. But so it was kind of interesting to me to see how this can kind of coexist. Because people think of, when they think of modernization and progress, they think of, you know, uh, like deforestation and all that stuff has a problem with it. But, you know, he kind of was able to kind of talk about in this movie how you can embrace modern values in without having to, you know, go that far and so if you know what i'm talking about is you at the beginning of it uh kiki she has this weird thing with boys (laughs) she's very old-fashioned she's very old-fashioned and so she has to kind of like learn uh to you know you know in the city things move faster things are more modern than they are on the countryside um and to me that was interesting i like that she had to she had to be challenged in her own ideas, her own thinking and become, you know, essentially a more modern woman. I don't know if you picked up on that. Kind of a little bit. I don't think she changes
1: that much. I think more, it's more like warming up to uh, Tombo, tomboy, Tom, <laughs> Tom, <laughs> her, her love interest. the guy. That's another uh, thing. I don't know if you know this, but one of uh, Miyazaki's other passions is aviation. And that really shines through in this movie. Like, I would not be surprised if Miyazaki, as a boy, tried to create his own airplane from a bicycle.
0: (laughs) Uh, And that's actually like a wild scene.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you see it a lot in his movies. Like, another one that really like shows that he he loves like flying and animating flying and stuff is nausicaa but i think it was the last film he directed before you know like studio ghibli still makes movies but miyazaki is more or less retired but i think it was his last film was the wind also rises and that was about an aviator and i think it was actually based on a true story despite being like an animated film but so fun fact about miyazaki he's really into like aviation and flying and all that sort of stuff and I really feel like before knowing that I really shined through in this movie as a kid I actually that's another reason I really liked this as a kid was that whole project of building the plane was so cool I wanted to do that so badly
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just I think you know I, I yeah, I, I agree you know his love of aviation shines through but it seems to be like a very specific type of aviation like very steampunk animation
1: yes well and also very green I mean the fact that he's able to make an airplane out of a bicycle So no, no fossil fuels needed, just good old fashioned, you know, thigh power, (laughs) pumping those (laughs) pedals.
0: I was like, I don't know. Um, I don't think I'd ever be able to, uh, to pedal fast enough to get myself off the ground that way.
1: Well, so I, that actually surprised me because I thought maybe you were going to pick up on something I had heard before. There's a uh, no, uh, video.
0: I have more. To, oh, okay. I have more. Comedy. Okay, more. Okay, more. Last thing, though, is she also, despite being old fashioned, she also she's also kind of rebels against tradition in the sense where, you know, she's talking at the beginning, she talks about how her mother's like, you should wear the black dress. This is what all, you know, the ones who come before you are. But then she changes it up by adding the red bow. So you, she, she's weird to me, but I kind of like you to know, talk about how these two ideas can coexist with each other: traditionalism with modernism. So I thought that was kind of cool. I don't know if you picked up on that with 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 the with the costuming either. A little bit. I
1: like obviously the red bow. Like that's, there's like a point of mentioning that at the beginning of the movie. But is that, is that all you wanted to say? Cause I'm curious if you're so, going to pick up on the thing. Yeah. So okay. the next
0: thing <laughs> you're like, you're like, I, wanna, I just, I don't want to spoil it any- now.
1: <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. I, there's like, there's, there's an interesting point someone made years ago. I watched in a video essay and a lot of people have picked up on it and you've probably heard about it, but I, in case you haven't. You know, I'll, I'll leave it for the end, but I'm going to see if you, so, if you mention it at all.
0: So this, um, so the the next thing that they talk about in this movie is maturity. Um, and, you know, this is a film essentially about Kiki growing up and we don't realize it at the beginning, but we find out later that her cat talking to her cat is a symbolism of childhood. And when she starts having problems, she faces, for example, the real world and she's exposed to the real world, she's now essentially grown up. And so by uh, by Gigi not talking from the rest of the film was essentially her leaving her childhood behind.
1: Well, he does talk at the end. No, he doesn't. At the doesn't. very, very end. No, no, like no. no, not, no. Well,
0: running. no, he doesn't. She In the U.S. release, the 1998 okay, so... U.S. release, there's an added line at the end where kiki's writing to her mother and she says oh and then me and Gigi are doing fine basically implying that she could talk but there is no actual talking at the end and miyazaki has even said that uh no he's you not ruined he, my movie no he see no he he has he, 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 he approved all the changes that made that disney made uh but he said that no, that she that the cat was that we weren't supposed to see the cat talking, and he doesn't talk again. He meows, but he doesn't talk again because essentially her childhood's over. She's now gone into adulthood. She's a much, she's she's mature now. She's not childish anymore.
1: Uh, that is interesting. I didn't know Miyazaki voiced anything about that. I also thought that her mom could also talk to Gigi. I thought that was just a witch thing.
0: I know that's what I did it too. So I need to watch this again. And see if, if if her if her mom talks to the cat. But well, and also now I am wondering if you picked up on the same
1: thing I was gonna talk about because you're bringing up a lot of the same points but having a different uh reading of so it. So the other one continue, I, but...
0: I was reading this article on this blog called The Mary Sue. Okay. Um and so they talk about how this movie is very poignant now because it really talks about it's it's a movie essentially, they call it about burnout.
1: Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes, you did. So like the, the Mary Sue is not where I heard this, but I heard this in a video essay. Yes. And I actually like, I, I, I did not pick up on that as a kid, you know, because I didn't have a lot of responsibilities. But when I saw, when I heard this reading of the movie as an adult, I was like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. Right.
0: Doesn't um, it?
1: Well, cause it makes like, I also think that that is intentional because her friend is an artist and yeah. she's the one who talks kiki through she, you know she's like oh this is kind of like you know some days i don't feel like painting and stuff like that and again going back to what kind of precipitated her losing her power it was like not feeling valued she delivers yeah. the uh, the the pie the herring <laughs> the herring pie the herring casserole whatever <laughs> to the party and it's like oh Gross, you know, and so it's like I—I I feel like. I mean, I didn't like that's her relatable I was for like kind of on you, board if, with
0: the gross herring casserole, but the response was inappropriate.
1: <laughs> I mean, hey, you didn't. It looked really good. I, looked I bet good. it taste I bet it tasted really good. I know herring. Probably, you know, I don't know. You know I, me, mean fish. Think.
0: I don't like fish. I did not know you didn't oh, like, well, fish. I love, I like fish. I love fish. I love shellfish, not fish though.
1: <laughs> I like fish just fine. I'm sure, sh- and honestly, like. I bet it probably tasted like a chicken pot pie, but fish. anyway, regardless. <laughs> <laughs> so like, so like, I feel like it was what precipitated. It was just feeling undervalued. And that kind of made her feel like, why do I even bother? Which i again, like if you're an artist and you create something and maybe it's like for someone for like a patron or something and, and they are just like, Oh, this is, this is what you made. Well, Hey, I mean, I paid you, so whatever, but thanks you know like that might just kind of deflate your ego or make you feel like maybe you're not as good as you thought you were yeah uh well, and you know like putting in all that effort I, I, it, again like that that reading of the film really blew my mind and right. i don't know if the mary Sue came up with it or if the person i watched came up someone plagiarized somebody else but it's <laughs> a good uh it's a good reading because it well, makes a lot of sense. And it also explains how she gets her power back. Cause yeah. Because it's not until she need like, she is the only person who can fly, you know, and suddenly, you know, she becomes valuable and, like, everyone actually respects her.
0: Well, and, and so the reading of the Mary Sue, and actually it does, and it kind of does explain, I think actually to me it explains the ending better, this sort of reading of it. Um the the Mary Stu says the article says that um you know they were they interpreted as you know essentially it's a rejection of that phrase that you hear old people say all the time you know where if you if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life and like it's like no no and and, and because that idea is so pumped into people people feel guilty about needing to take a break about not wanting to do about you know not being satisfied with something or um, she talked about how she was a freelance writer, and she said, you know, she she would go to con she would go to conferences to sell her any books. Like conferences like 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 conventions to sell her any books. And she mentioned to a friend one time that oh I, w- I need to take a vacation. And her friend was like, well, you do all the time. You travel all the time. Like it's like it, it's basically you know. It's work. I'm doing work, even though I enjoy what I'm doing. I'm doing work and my body sometimes is not working. You basically keep going until you are physically unable to, which is what happens to Kiki. She keeps going until she's physically unable to fly anymore. And, you know, and even at the end of the movie, when she when, when she when like said she's the only one, she does it because essentially she has to. But she's not doing it, you know, impeccably. And to me, that reads that makes that that goes into it more because her friend was in danger. She forced herself to do this, to to do this last mission to save him. But I, but like it's almost like I've always under, I understood after that she kind of took an extended break and came back, you know, refreshed after that, and she was able to to, to be a better, uh, to to to, to 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 basically to get back to where she was when she started. If that makes to be sense. a good witch, yeah, to be a good <laughs> witch, essentially. Are you a good witch or a bad witch?
1: No, I again like I didn't pick up on any of this as a kid, but re. Seeing that, like hearing that, that reading and seeing it as an adult, it makes so much sense. Right, and again to the point where I think it was very intentional. Um, even though I don't remember Miyazaki or anybody ever talking about that aspect of the movie but i i agree and i think that also like this movie is very popular with like the millennial generation and i think part of that does have to do with the 98 release like a lot of us saw this as kids and grew up with it but i also think that that kind of low point in the movie really resonates with a lot of people who are working a job they don't like or working a job they like but they just feel very like
0: spiritually because it, dead are just physically exhausted you are working like I love and I told you before I love I love this podcast I love making it I love doing it but there are some days I'm just like I don't want to look at a podcast for like a week <laughs> or something but then you feel guilty about it because you know you're just like but I have such a great opportunity you know what I mean Heck yeah, man. I mean,
1: we, we talk for an hour about movies. Uh, It's (laughs) fun and it's even great. You know, like uh, we're really, we say, we usually save this for Christmas and stuff, but I'll throw it in here. You know, we're all, anyone who's listening to this, we're always grateful for anyone who has an interest in this show. Uh, And it's very nice to see anyone who is tuning in, but I I know what you mean. Uh, Especially like, obviously, like I mentioned we had a bit of a hiatus and it's like, It can be difficult, even though we're just sitting and talking for an hour or so. Uh, There's a lot more that goes into it that you wouldn't think about. Uh, Editing the show can take a ridiculously long amount of time, partly because you're just like listening to the You know, like when even when you finish editing, you want to listen to the whole show just to make sure you didn't catch anything. And that can take an hour just to make sure you're you know, catching all the mistakes. And so it's very time consuming. Yeah. Or like me, uh, I've
0: edited the show and then I'm like, Oh, I still have to go back and record the opening. <laughs> and then
1: I'm yeah. just like
0: that. No, that is one step too far. I cannot do that today.
1: <laughs> yeah. And same thing. Like even just like finding interesting things to talk about with the movie can be s- it's sometimes harder than you realize. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, this is an easy movie. And then you go to do research and you're like, no one has said anything about this movie. So you got to like come up with like talking points and stuff. It's crazy. Um, but it's, and, you know it is fun. Every time we record, I have a really good time, but it is, it is, uh, an extra thing. It that is. we it, have to, it is an
0: extra. Exactly. And I, 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 you know, and I really related to Kiki when she's talking about, you know, she, she was talking about, I forget sometimes said, she had a conversation somebody, but she said, you know, Somebody's like, oh, but you love flying. She's like, yeah, but then I started doing it for a living. And I was like, I felt that in my soul when I first came out to L.A. to work. I love movies. I wanted to go see movies all the time. I want to do everything. But now it's almost just like it's it, but it's like it became to a point to where it was almost like a chore to go see a movie. And I'm like, you, you just didn't enjoy it anymore
1: it's kind of i mean spoiler alert for like the end of this year but like one thing we're trying to do is watch a lot of new movies damn um, it whiskey and now that's we something can't that's back something out. that i look for well that's something <laughs> i look forward to doing and just trying to have like a list of movies to recount for the whole year it's like every couple of weeks i'm like oh what's out what do i need you know like I need to see some stuff. So we have stuff to talk about at the end of the year. And it's, it, it isn't ruining it for me. I'm still looking forward to seeing releases in theaters and stuff, but it's just like, again, it's like a, an extra thing I have to do now. Like, Oh, what's out? When can I see it? What time do I, you know, right. that's like a whole thing. So no, it's relatable outside of this show too. like everyone has experienced burnout. Yeah. You, like it it's, and again, I think that's part of the reason this this film has such staying power with our
0: generation.
1: Right, because it's, it's, uh, it's like we loved fact...
0: it as kids, and then it got a whole new layer of depth as adults.
1: Absolutely. I, um,
0: I, I will say that I do, I love, and I forget what her friend's name is, her friend's advice. She's like, basically her advice was, you need to take time for yourself. Yes. And I'd remind everybody, y'all all need to take time for yourself.
1: And this is exactly, uh, what I was going to talk about, by the way, (laughs) this is, um, this was the angle I was waiting for you to touch on. Um, but, uh, and, and yeah, I guess, I guess the Gigi thing, I don't know, that blows my mind that he wasn't supposed to talk at the end again. Like I thought that was just like a witch thing. Well, and I think, um,
0: I think, um, I think I think it's a point that you get more as an adult, but like I think Disney because when Disney did the redubbing, you know, they made certain changes. Most of it was cultural differences, like uh she uh drinks hot chocolate in uh the in our, our movie tea, and, obviously. And, and it's coffee in the other one which is why i was like why are they giving her sugar cubes and milk to go with her hot chocolate but i'm like i don't know maybe that's how japan does hot chocolate but there's but miyazaki signed off on all of them and i think the reason why they added that line at the end of the movie um is just because and i can kind of see this as a kid you're just too it's too sad that he doesn't talk ever again. Well that's because dumb.
1: you uh, <laughs> if growing up as a witch means you can't talk to your cat then
0: I don't want to grow exactly. up. Exactly. But it's like you because you don't get the whole theme about maturity yet. As you're older then it makes more sense and it's not as sad. Uh but you know it was it was you know, it's kind of like oh, what was it? Uh if you ever seen the movie what is it called um Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Okay. So in the end of the movie the the end of the play the plants basically take over the world, and you know human humanity's doomed, and all your favorite characters died. The best ending. Um, okay. Uh, well, that
1: was supposed to that, be the ending of the movie. That was the end of the, the movie. The studio was like, "This is too messed up. We can't." Well, do they that.
0: showed it. They sh- ever the audiences loved the movie until the end, and they said I think the ending's
1: great. It's perfect. Again, it's like it's like it's a horror comedy musical, so.
0: It, yeah. Well, like if a, well, if a they monster said, plant is, and I think the creators kind of agree with this. They were like, you know, you spend the whole movie kind of falling in love with these characters, and in the play, you kind of, you kind of still get that kind of relief of they come out at the end for their bows, and they're you're, they're still they're 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 not really, but you know, it, you get the illusion that they're still you, the characters still alive and with you, and in the movie you don't get that, and I think that's sort of the same thing here is you know the kids want to know the cat's alive and well or or, or the well, relationship's still alive he's and well.
1: alive and well it's well just you know what i mean the relationship's the still
0: there <laughs> and so i do think that's why they added the line and i don't think it hurts the film because like i said it's left ambiguous uh, so you can still get the meaning as an adult it doesn't like really change the meaning of the movie
1: well, I'd also, cho- even if they remove the line, I'd just choose to believe that she can talk to him again. <laughs> right,
0: because I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't want to grow up if I can't talk to my cat anymore. You know what I mean? If I could talk with my piggies, which I sometimes do, but they don't talk back, I'd be like, mm, not not getting older, sorry. I want to keep talking to my pigs.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: So, so obviously I, for me, this is a recommend. I give
1: it... Well, no, we're not doing that. Oh. So I am... Ge- <laughs> we, we changed the, the game, remember? So I'm giving this... I, so I, it'll probably be never where I give this a perfect four out of four. Um, uh, just cause I don't believe there's such thing as a perfect anything. We, uh, you You know
0: there is, and it's called Gone with the Wind. No argument.
1: <laughs> so, so I will give this three and a half Sapporo's cause this is as damn close to perfect as you're going to get. It's one of my all time favorites. If you haven't seen it for some reason, or if you're a young person, you didn't grow up with this, uh, bully disney into releasing the the version that they released in 98 because that song is better uh but even even so like any version you can watch of this movie is going to be great i love it it's
0: a great it's like it's a fun it's a fun place to kind of just be in this world with this character so i'm gonna give this because i believe in happiness i'm gonna give this four out of four pitchers of sweet tea stirred with a witch broom (laughs) I like, I like your style,
1: but awesome. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, sorry. It's been a really long time since we uploaded, but hopefully you're still sticking around. Uh, and hopefully you're looking forward to our next episode of Anna June.
0: Anna, <laughs> okay. Can we at least give them some hope that'll come out in May, please?
1: No, nah, we're going to, we're going we're gonna to try. <laughs> try. We're, we're, we're going to try. We're going to try for May.
0: It. I We're going to talk to our
1: cats. We're going to fight through that burnout. We're going <laughs> to hang out with our friend in the woods with all of her pet crows. We're going
0: to... Uh, can someone just invent like it? a little box that'll translate my piggies' brainwaves into words so I can talk to them? <laughs> the
1: next episode, uh, I have actually... like I picked this one because I've never seen it uh, and you've never seen it. so Are we'll you kidding? How... Have... I'm
0: all about it. I use it on my food all the time. The next movie? Yeah. Spr- oh. sprinkling on my food. <laughs> Use it on your
1: food. Oh, that was a good hint, too. Some <laughs> some uh some nice weebs in the audience will probably pick up on which movie we're doing next. <laughs> so, thanks again for tuning in. Feel free if you're watching this on our YouTube channel to like and subscribe.
0: And we are and apparently now officially live on Apple Podcast On Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening there, we appreciate your business. Thank you,
1: guys, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. And feel free to check out whether it's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the other stuff that we're on. Check out our old episodes. We've been doing this for a while now, so we've got a bit of a backlog of episodes if this is the first one you heard. But a good backlog,
0: not a bad backlog like Netflix has.
1: No, like a backlog, like we've been doing this since the beginning of this pandemic. So anyway, (laughs) uh, if you see... (laughs) <laughs> since you since you if you, if you see a movie you like feel free to click and see what we think uh, and we got more stuff coming up but thanks again for listening and keep keep stay uh, what I didn't even think of a uh, an end catchphrase we're trying to figure out what to uh, end the show with i know you're you're let's end it with your catchphrase T all right
0: thanks for listening and as always suck it Scorsese peace Reels on the Rocks is a production of Le Prince Laboratories. It is edited and produced by Alejandro Castillo and features original artwork by Ace Esparza and original music by Pat Mars. Follow us on Twitter at Reels on the Rocks and tweet at us with any movies or topics you'd like us to discuss in the future.